Thanks for joining us for this episode of 13, and happy Friday the 13th. We wanted to start by thanking our new patrons. Scaredy Spice, Edward, KR, Kyle, Lawrence Manley, Sasha Kohler, Delta S, Rachel Diane, Eve Taft, and John E. Burke. We couldn't do this without you. Our patrons get access to our Patreon-exclusive Discord, where you can chat with us about the show or whatever else is on your mind. We've got bloopers, behind-the-scenes audio, and weekly updates on the show. Different tiers get stickers, t-shirts, and coffee mugs, too. Just look for a link in the show notes. We've actually just enabled the option to pay annually for all of our Patreon tiers. When you pay annually, you get a discounted rate of 11 months for the cost of 12. So check us out. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash 13pod. We have some new designs in our merch store. Check those out at TeePublic. Just look for a link in our show notes. Today's story is Contortion by Eve Elizabeth Taft. For more about Eve, look for a link in the show notes. Is this the one where I wanted to do a voice and then immediately hated doing the voice after I did the voice? Yeah. All right. Excellent. So stay tuned for Ian's fantastic voice. We love this story because it's the first one in a while where all three of us get to be in an episode together, and we're all three together for the credits as well. Yay! Woo. We did that really good this time. I know. Do we feel like Do we feel like it was good? Do we like it? I think y'all sounded good. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's good. Cool. Okay. Yeah. This journal belongs to T.S., November 9th, 2007. I'm still trying to understand what the hell just happened. It's normal, honey. You're looking for closure. Kitty's mom told me when I went over to Pleasant Acres Assisted Living. We were sitting out on the wraparound porch. It actually makes the place seem kind of homey. I was explaining the first part of what happened the less totally bonkers part of the story. The part about how the same carnival where I lost Kitty turned up in the field next to my house again. It would be slightly less bonkers if it came back every year. But this is the first time I've seen it since... Well, since then. I answered her. It's been seven years. If I don't have closure yet, When am I going to? Kitty's mom adjusted the tube of oxygen under her nose and shrugged. Never, maybe. Ambiguous loss, they call it. Up until two days ago, I would have said that there wasn't anything ambiguous about it. Kitty killed herself because sometimes grief creates a domino effect. Someone dies, so someone else dies the loss knocks another person over. And eventually, it's like the end of a slasher movie, with corpses all around because one guy got killed in a car accident in 1999. We never did find her body, which makes for some pesky, deep-down hopes. But even the cops ruled it a suicide, which is what it was. Except... Yesterday, at that very circus, I saw Kitty Evans, 
She was dressed in a costume and performing on the high wire. That's too crazy to tell a lady who lost her husband, then her daughter, in the space of the same year. Especially now that she's stuck trying to fight leukemia all by her lonesome. Too crazy by half. And so is what happened next. I went back to the circus the following morning and it turned out they'd packed up and disappeared overnight. I walked around the empty field. I kicked an empty Diet Coke can ahead of me as I let my mind wander to the places I usually guard like a demilitarized zone. How had Kitty done it? Where had she spent her last moments, all alone and desperate? What happened to her body? I stared at the ground to steady myself. Then, I spotted a beat-up old planner. The cover read, Academic Planner, 1999 to 2000. Almost rubbed off on the front. There was writing inside. Everything was written on. The words spilled over everything from dates on the calendar to those useful information lists they put in the back. They're entries, like in a journal. They're not chronological either. Big chunks of time recorded in random order, interrupted by other entries I can't quite date. Notes in the margins and pages that are too waterlogged to read. I haven't taken it to the police yet, because honestly, I don't want to let it out of my sight. I'm not sure it's real, and I can't risk it disappearing again when I turn my back. But right there on the front, faded as it might be, it said, If found, please return to Kitty Evans. I think November is the safest month. No one likes it. It's the back ass of the year and it's cold for no reason. Nothing much happens. Besides eating and vaguely caring about football on Thanksgiving, there's very little pressure to pretend to be interested in anything. It's safe like a foggy day where you can't see beyond your own driveway where you can pretend there's nothing out there. I sank into that November like a warm bath. The fun of Halloween was over, and the sugary misery of Christmas was still far enough away to ignore. I was allowed to stay home, to drink tea, to watch the rain against my skylight and think about, if I was lucky, nothing much at all. Until for reasons unknown, a carnival materialized in the field next to my friend Tia's house. And of course, she wanted to go. Ever since the funeral, everyone's been trying to get me to do things. Movies, coffee dates, mall trips. I'm grateful, don't think I'm not. And I know it's probably keeping me alive and brushing my teeth and remembering to eat. But mostly, I float through whatever I'm doing without any presence. 
Even the little outings are exhausting. Once, I came home from brunch and slept until 3 a.m. the following morning. I confided this to Tia, and she said, Yeah, that's what it's going to be like for the first year. She said I should keep going anyways. It helps, even if you don't think it does. I showed up on a cloudy Sunday and bought us both some cotton candy. It was freezing, coat weather when I'd only worn a hoodie, and it was overcast. The neon lights were trying their best against the gray sky. Tia spoke up, taking a chomp of her spun pink cloud. The French call it Daddy's Beard. Isn't that kinky? I replied that the Irish word for Santa directly translates as Daddy December. Tia rolled her eyes. Oh, God. I flashed a quick smile. You ruin my day, I'm gonna ruin yours. I never liked carnivals and fairs when I was a kid. Too loud. And clowns give me the heebie-jeebies. Besides, they're a summer phenomenon, and there's something vaguely suspicious about one appearing so far into autumn, when it's almost winter. I didn't mention that, though. I know I'm a stick in the mud, who doesn't like fun even at the best of times, let alone now. So, I said yes, because I didn't want to make Tia sorry for trying to help me. I wasn't nostalgic, and even as an adult with a Prozac prescription and coping skills, I felt more anxious than anything. I always thought that the screams that came from the rickety ride sounded closer to panic than fun. The fact that I wasn't sure if I could tell the difference freaked me out even more. I let Tia get me on a few of the rides that looked the safest. The bumper cars, the merry-go-round. We bought popcorn and followed the crier siren call into the big top for the show. I told myself that this would be better. Just safely sitting in an audience. But the flashing lights and booming music made my head hurt and made me dizzy. At the point where a group of at least 15 clowns inundated the stage, I said I had to go to the bathroom. I stumbled past the annoyed guest in the row behind us. And outside, I felt a little bit better. It was cold. The sounds were muted. I listened to my heart hammer. I had a flashback again. In my mind, I heard the news playing. It was like cold water being poured over my head. Like a tape rewinding. I heard the phone call play back a few times before I shut off my thoughts and focused on what was around me. Why are you like this? I said to myself. It's been months. I realized that it had been pissing rain and I somehow hadn't noticed. Going back into the show wasn't an option, unless I wanted to have a full-on nervous breakdown. 
I looked for somewhere to take shelter. Around me, the world shifted back and forth between too sharp and too fuzzy. Dreamlike, and then so real I couldn't stand it. I clenched my teeth, trying to inhale and exhale like everybody told me to, but it didn't help. Finally, I spotted an exit sign, and I decided that I'd try to make it. What I'd do was get off the fairgrounds, call Tia, and tell her I wasn't doing so hot. Then I'd get a ride home. At some point, I'd make it up to her. Maybe buy her a beer. As I walked towards the exit archway, I tried to decide whether I'd tell her I'd gotten bad again or if I'd make up some lie about a migraine. I reached the turnstile. I placed my hand on it. And then... Everything went black. I woke up to someone prodding me with a boot. A rough voice called, Hey Jasper, we got another one. From the distance I heard a, God damn it, from what I assumed was Jasper. I had to hold back a scream when a clown leaned over me. It was bad manners to act terrified of the guy who was helping, but I'm pretty sure I'd had this exact same nightmare. The rain continued coming down, pricking my face like cold needles. I tracked back. I'd been about to leave when I guess I fainted. I was not doing well. When I got home, I'd admit it. I'd call my doctor and I'd finally do whatever she said. Whether it was go back to counseling or start taking some sort of anti-fainting meds. Do they even make those? Tia was going to be worried sick. I looked for my phone and found it was gone. The clown held out a hand and helped me up. You better come with me. I'm Jasper, by the way. Kitty, I replied. I followed him, assuming he was taking me to a first aid station. But when he led me into a huge tent, I found it was the dressing room. Something was very wrong here. I need to call my friend. She was right behind me and she's going to be so worried. I improvised. Tia's really jumpy. I wouldn't put it past her to call the cops over me disappearing for even five minutes. She's always overreacting like that. Jasper sat down in a director's chair in front of a long mirror where several other clowns were removing their makeup. He made eye contact with himself in the mirror instead of me. There's no good way to say this, but you're stuck here for the foreseeable future. This isn't a carnival. It's a kind of entity. One that sucks people in along the way. And it appears that you've been unfortunate enough to get into its claws. There was an awkward silence. I looked down at him, wrinkled my brow, and said, Okay. Keeping my movements calm, I walked backwards until I was back outside. 
The fair had quieted down. They must be closing. And I knew I was in bad trouble unless I got out of there and reported this deranged clown to the proper authorities. I just have to find the exit again. The place seemed like a maze, and finally, I gave up and just decided to try to climb the fence. The minute my hands touched the metal, it was like that scene in Jurassic Park. I was grateful this time when the pain that shot down every one of my nerves gave way, and I lost consciousness again. I woke up to Jasper standing over me again, hands on his hips. This time he had on normal clothes, and he seemed to be in the midst of removing his makeup and wig, which made him look a lot less horrifying. You believe me now, or do you want to try it again? Okay, I said, scrambling to my feet. I'm listening. We went out of the rain and back into the dressing rooms, and Jasper went back to taking off his makeup. There's more that I don't know than I do. All I can say is that one day, a fun fair opened up on the outskirts of town, and I went in with my friends. Then, when I tried to leave, I got the mother of all static shocks. Woke up to Jimmy over there yelling, Hey boys, we got a live one! And since then, I've been a circus clown. There was another awkward silence, and then I asked, What the fuck? What the fuck indeed? I think it's the carnival itself. If someone's running the show here, I don't know who they are. Everyone, right down to the food vendors, are poor sods just like us. People that just happen to notice. Everyone? Everyone here got... picked up along the way? I think so. Everyone I know anyway. But if you're here too long, you change. I looked at him, waiting for him to explain, but he just shook his head, refusing to meet my eyes. Instead, he motioned for me to follow him. I felt a little better now that Jasper and most of the others had taken off their costumes, transformed back into normal people. Except for a few. Down at the end of the tent, there were a group of clowns who seemed to have given up removing their makeup. They had left bits of their costumes on. A wig here, a shirt or pants there, and in one case, a single shoe. Jasper nodded in their direction. You become like them. What do you mean? It starts off with the makeup being hard to take off. Then the hair starts to grow in, mixed in with yours. Eventually, you can't take off the costume at all. The longer you wear it, the quicker it starts to happen. I shuddered, and I could feel myself slipping into a state of dissociation. Don't let a costume touch you for any longer than you can help it. And whatever you do, don't sleep in it. I studied the group of clowns. There was a contortionist and a dancer among them, too. Their laughs were hysterical. The kind that if they were play-acted, would be funny, but would seem deranged because they were real. 
Some of them capered around on two legs, and others walked on all fours. The contortionists rolled over themselves in a circle. I couldn't make out what they were saying, but I had a suspicion they weren't speaking a language that I knew. The person underneath changes too, until they're not even a person anymore. How long? Jasper shrugged. It depends. Anyone who's been here long enough to know, they're not talking about it. I shuddered. And as if reading my mind, Jasper continued. Oh, you want to know how to leave? Well, someone has to invite you. Someone from the outside. They have to invite you to leave with them. And it's only one for one. If you're from the outside, you can only bring one of us back with you. I don't know why. The rain on the tent got louder. Thunder rolled and cracked. The clowns hooped and laughed, tilting their heads upward and howling in unison like dogs. How often do people leave? I've only seen it happen once. The bastard never came back either. And you've been here how long? Going on six months. No makeup sticking yet. Jasper told me that a costume would present itself to me. I wandered through the wet grass, the rain having raged itself out. Anything but a clown, I thought. Come on, universe, just give me this. After circling the grounds, or as close as I could come to it, the place still seemed to twist and warp. I know I walked in a straight line, but I passed the same fun house twice. Was I meant to staff one of the games or the food stalls? None of them beckoned to me. Has this Jasper guy been playing the world's weirdest prank? I was still achy from trying to get past the barrier last time, so I decided to put off exiting the grounds again. Maybe Tia would come back, somehow guessing where I was with the sense that only best friends have, knowing that she had to invite me back into the real world. The carnival might know this and not bother to outfit me. I could be a fish to throw back. I certainly didn't have the makings of a performer. The dressing rooms were still a lot, and though I tried to give them a wide berth, the contortionist from earlier somersaulted into my path and blocked my way. They rolled up, as if one bone at a time, to standing position, and they took my hand in a vice grip. Their face was covered in white paint, perfectly matte. Curly cues spread from their eyes down their neck, melding into the shiny costume. I tried to ask who they were, but the contortionist just made an odd sound. They pulled me back towards the tent that functioned as the dressing room. Inside, almost everyone had cleared out, except for the clowns and the performers clumped together at the far end of the tent. Now that the noise had died down, I could hear them. Some spoke broken English. I thought I caught a few Spanish words, maybe a sentence or two in Russian. Others seemed to spew word salad, the confusing jumble I had learned about in Psych 101. 
others yipped and croaked, all of them still laughing. The contortionist led me to a shoddily constructed mirror table, the type you see in ballet or opera movies. Draped over the folding chair in front of it was a suit, not loose like Jasper's, but skin tight. Even so, it was unmistakably a clown costume. I could tell by the pom-poms down the front and the striped legs. I froze, wanting to go no further, but the contortionist tugged my arm. The rest of the collective seemed to move towards me as one. I was lifted, with many hands undressing me and then dressing me. I started screaming, and I didn't stop until the group moved away. I was left dressed and painted. The contortionist finished styling my hair. I was something between a clown and a dancer, an odd creature with decorated skin and slicked up hair which made a point. The contortionist glowed, fawning over me, as I looked in the mirror and just tried not to sob. Soft rays of sunlight peeked through the bottom of the tent. Night was over, and now, it was time for a day's work in the circus. The contortionist led me outside into balmy weather that wasn't a Pennsylvania November. We cross over to the Big Top, where T and I had watched yesterday's show, for what I guess was rehearsal. First, someone brought around an elephant, and acrobats leapt and flipped off of his back. I tried to guess, looking at each person. How far gone were they? Who had the carnival taken completely? And who had some humanity left? It frightened me how difficult it was to tell. When the contortionist cartwheeled into the center ring, an invisible force dragged me to follow. As they flipped over themselves, I found my body copying theirs. It was as if someone else was piloting my brain while I watched from behind my own eyes. I was forced down into a split and shrieked in pain. My muscles were not that flexible. Whatever drew me along ignored the tears that came into my eyes and puppeted me into back handsprings that hurt my wrist. I walked on all fours with my back bent in the wrong way. I kicked my legs into a handstand and I clapped the soles of my feet together. At one point, the contortionist and I intertwined our bodies, climbing up each other like snakes until I balanced on their shoulders. Then, suddenly, they were gone and I had fallen into an impossible pose. My knees bent so my toe tips brushed my forehead. I felt as if my spine would snap. For your amusement, your delight, your ecstasy, our next performers are here to make you laugh until you cry. Our dear, sweet clowns. I'll start them off, will I? I'll give them a running start with a joke. I realized I was shouting those words. My lips formed the words, my vocal cords vibrated, and yet each word was a surprise to me. I tried to clench my jaw shut, but the monologue burst forth anyway. The clowns capered and Pratt fell onto the stage around me. I saw Jasper among them, dancing. Where, my friends, do you find a cow with no legs? 
Right where you left them. Good night, my dear friend. Good night. I cried, and the invisible hand pulled me back as if reeling me in, and then, like a child who was tired of a toy, it dropped me on the ground. I stayed there for a while. Every one of my muscles hurt. At least a few of them were pulled, if not torn. I could tell that if I broke a leg, hell, if I broke my spine and paralyzed myself, the carnival would still dance me across the stage. If I died, would it puppet my corpse? I imagined myself as limp dead weight, which was probably easier to maneuver anyway, spinning around as I rotted and decomposed. Had that already happened to any of my castmates? Did I unknowingly share the stage with anyone who was dead? A hand snaked down and pulled me up to my feet. It was the contortionist, tilting their head from side to side like a cat. Fuck you, I said, yanking my arm out of their grip. Instead of appearing angry, they grabbed my wrist again, then got on all fours, pulling me faster than they should have been able to. I was too exhausted to do anything. Around me, the sounds of the fair swirled. There were people, regular people here, just like Tia and I had been, with no idea who was entertaining them. I tried to yell for help and my throat closed up. In the dressing rooms, the contortionist handed me a jar of salve and mimed rubbing it on my body. I coated my legs. It burned like menthol. I could feel it starting to do its work. Untangling my tendons, I sagged into one of the director chairs. Thanks, I managed. The contortionist nodded with a creepy smile that I didn't like much at all. And then they kicked up into a handstand and walked away from me, backwards, keeping eye contact. I curled into a little ball, and I stayed that way until Jasper appeared at my side. Kitty, come on. Show's starting. The days melted into each other. Every day, I rehearsed, and every night, I performed. Every morning, we awoke in a new place. When I was in front of the crowd, I could do nothing but what the carnival guided me to do. Outside, I tried screaming for help, writing letters, etching messages into the ground. The merrymakers paid no attention. They looked at me as if I wasn't even there just as I would have done, just as Tia must have done. Eventually, I gave up. Jasper told me I could talk to them if I stay in character. He said it helps. He makes balloon animals for the kids just to feel connected to someone real. I tried it, but the lock on my throat, my inability to scream for help, infuriated me. 
I decided to do a little experiment. I kept a journal to help me stay grounded. All I have is the planner I got when my grief fog made me miss and reschedule a dentist appointment. So, I'm writing over the empty days and months. I started by explaining how I got here. And now, I'm up to today, which is about a week. Yeah, I think a week since I came to the circus. I'd look at the calendar pages, but I don't want to admit that I don't know what month it is. Yesterday, somewhere snowy, I curled up in a pile of moving blankets between rehearsal and my cue. I meant only to warm myself up, but once I settled, I felt the tiredness wash over me. My dance no longer hurts like it did in the beginning, but it still pushes my body to the limit. I shut my eyes for just a second, and then tried to prop them open, remembering Jasper's warning. But what difference does it make? That thought scared me more than anything. I pulled the blanket up over my head, covering myself in darkness. And sleep pulled me into a deep embrace, spinning her cocoon around me as I plummeted into oblivion. I woke up to Jasper shaking me violently. Kitty, Kitty, what the hell? I glared at him, bleary-eyed. Jesus, what is your problem? Something slid into my eye, stinging it, and I blinked rapidly. Then I ran my hand over my face, and it came away stained with white grease paint. I gasped, shrinking into myself. Oh no. Jasper was already helping me unzip my leotard. I ripped it off and scrubbed at my face until it stung. Jasper averted his eyes while he handed me a sweatshirt and joggers. You're okay. You're okay. It's coming off. Shit. I just... I just fell asleep. Yeah, I noticed. Thank you. It's only been a month. It's like you're not even trying. I didn't say anything. At least during the shows. I don't remember. There's too many bad things that creep up during the other times. Caskets and prayers I don't know the words to anymore. Casseroles that all taste the same. When I dance, I don't think of them. Or of the gaping cannonball hole in my life. Instead, I am a sparkling thing in the light. No beginning, no end, no ties to anything that could one day break. I forgot to write for a few days. Time's been going a bit funny. The hours in between the shows feel short. The show itself feels long. Now, once my part is done, I sneak into the audience and watch Jasper, listen to the crowd boo and cheer. I'm not the only one who does it. It feels more real in the big top, even though I know it's not. My makeup still comes off, but the suit is feeling tighter and tighter. And every night I wonder, what harm is it to leave it on? There is something odd 
some sort of music I didn't hear before. It's coming from one of the rides. It's on at night, too. I mustn't tell Jasper about it, though. One of the clowns invited me to dinner with them, but it was important that I say no. I don't know why. I sat with Jasper instead. He didn't say much, and his cheeks are redder than usual. But they look better this way. It makes him look more like himself. His friend, whose name I don't remember, said he was acting like the guy in a zombie movie who won't behead his friend who's been bitten. Which makes no sense. No sense at all. I don't go out much during the day anymore. Instead, I sleep with the others. I don't know why I didn't like them at first, but don't worry, they've forgiven me. MilkCarton.com, a support group for the loved ones of missing persons. Forums. The last day, for threads about the last time we saw our person. As always, read the pinned post and abide by the rules. 2.33 a.m., November 18th, 2007. I can't go to fairs anymore because it happened at this random carnival we decided to explore. We split up so one of us could get drinks and one of us could get hot dogs, and my brother never came back. I always say that if I find him, I'm going to demand my soda. User TS81. I had a similar experience. She walked out of the big top to go to the bathroom, and I never fucking saw her again. What was the name of the one that you were at? User Koala Raptor 2000. I don't think it had one, which is weird, but I feel like I'd remember. Like I remember what we were both wearing and the exact rides and stuff. Guys, you're freaking me out here. It was the tiny ass carnival where I lost my mom at. Like, I know that sounds like a kid's story, but I was 17 when it happened. Like I got off this wild ride and I went to go barf over a trash can and when I went to find her, she just wasn't there. I kept trying to find who was in charge of the place, but I couldn't and I shit you not, when the cops came back to investigate, the whole carnival was gone. Cops said they'd never had a permit registered for it either. Like, realistically, I guess it could have just packed up and left by the time they got there. We waited 24 hours to report because we didn't know that was a myth. But still, it's weird as hell. 76 more posts. This journal belongs to T.S. November 11th, 2014. It took us a while to put all the pieces together, and by a while, I mean years. There were too many of us on the forum with the same basic story. A carnival we didn't know about in advance, a spur-of-the-moment trip, and someone who didn't come back. 
it was too similar not to make connections. Human brains love patterns. Sometimes we even create them when they're not there. I'm not going to lie. We went full beautiful mind on this. A collaborative document where we typed up our stories and edited this map with location pins. The places and dates where we had seen the thing. I always wanted milkcarton.com to go viral. Get some more people paying attention. But I knew if it did, there was a risk we'd end up having to answer some pretty tough questions from the nice little men in white coats. Eventually, the forum got taken down because the guy running it turned out to have actually been the one to do away with his wife. When he went to jail, he stopped paying for the domain name, so it got snapped up by an actual milk company. But by then, we had our own documents, and we'd even arranged a few meetups. I never told Caroline about it, Kitty's mom. Giving false hope to someone dying of cancer is probably an express ticket to hell. But now I kind of wish I had. Because I don't think we were wrong. We've tracked the cycle our fair travels in. We have a member who's a history major, and he's even found something like it in old Russian folklore. It looks like it'll be landing in the same field it did seven years ago. And then seven years before that. At least 20 people from the forum are coming. From across the country, or even across the ocean, to wait for it to materialize with me. We're going to buy our tickets from the laughing automaton behind the glass. And we'll keep our hands clasped together. One long chain of us and we'll leave someone outside the grounds to watch out for us and chase any potentially unwitting victims away from the interest while we look. While we look for our people. And if we can't find our people, maybe we can find someone, anyone, who will come with us. And we'll also carry gas cans, drenching everything as we go while we call out their names hoping they can still hear us. I'm terrified of everything that could go wrong. Of course, becoming some kind of clown thing myself is pretty high on that list. But worse, I'm afraid that I won't find Kitty, or that she'll be too far gone to save before I drop the match, sending the whole carnival back to hell where it came from. We might not be able to save everyone, but we're sure as hell gonna stop it from taking anyone else. I know the clowns who have been there for years, hardened into their shapes and without any sense of what they were. They won't come with us. And maybe Kitty will be among them. I'll listen to their screams as they turn into smoke along with the only home they know anymore. I'll be a murderer, even if I call it a mercy killing. But my biggest fear, my biggest fear is that the thing won't fucking burn.
Thanks for joining us for this episode of 13. If you like what you heard, stop what you're doing and leave a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This month's story was Contortion, written by Eve Elizabeth Taft, narrated by Brooke Jeanette and Bridget Howard. Jasper was Ian Epperson. Music, editing, and sound design by Caleb Ritchie. Our producer-level patrons are Rick Linville, Tattooed Fox, Rhiannon, Sean Geary, Anthony Diaz, Paul Doyle, Delta Tango, Jackie Kay, Jack Chaddock, Temple Ruff, and Emily Carroll. Thank you so much for your support. Our Patreon partners get access to an exclusive Discord channel to chat with the creators and a second monthly reading. Merch, bloopers, behind-the-scenes content, and weekly updates on the show. We're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at some versions of 13pod or pod13. Just look for the logo. We'll have links in the show notes. If you'd like to submit a story to be performed on the show or contact us about anything else, get in touch at info at 13podcast.com. You can find that in the show notes. Bridget Howard wants to show you a carnival. That's me. Thanks for listening. See you next month.